Hi, we are in a new episode of the History and Politics podcast, and we have a great guest. We have Victoria Martinez, who is a, an English teacher and an expert in a lot of things in, in, in Argentina, and we are here to, to talk about Argentina. So, hi, Victoria. How, how are you? Hi, how are you, Camilo? Nice to talk to you. Yeah, I, I, I was, I, I have been like thinking and in, in, in talk more about Latin America in this episode because I, I, I feel uh, that outside Latin America, people know it very little. Mm -hmm. uh, in the U.S., people know a little about Mexico, but sometimes it's very little. And as I, I was once talking with, with Cedric Barnes, so, sometimes it's just a vague notion of Chicano culture. Mm -hmm. But since like New Mexico was, has been like part of, of, of the U.S. for many years, it has also evolved in ways that it's different from the rest of Latin America. Yeah. Um, uh, so... How, how to understand Argentina? Because I feel that always, like, there is an impression that, you know, Argentina is different because it had a larger, like, European uh, yeah. immigration and, and well, people refer... Did you see yeah. the, the controversy on, on Twitter about um, American people saying, why are Argentinians white if they're from Latin America? I don't know if you saw it. It was not to know. No, I didn't saw it. Okay, so yeah, that's what happened. Some people started asking, like, why are Argentines white if they are from Latin America? Which, of course, made very many Argentines mad because, of course, we don't consider ourselves. I mean, it's, it's a bit of both, right? We like to think that we are European, but at the same time, we don't like it when gringos, you know, confuse us with... Europeans, I think it's it's a it's an identity on its own, but I think it's really related to to the way Argentina emerged. I mean, we were a viceroyalty from Spain, from the Spanish Empire, right? I mean, back I don't know in the six yes sixteen hundreds seventeen hundreds we were you know part of a huge viceroyalty. I think even Peru was part of it, like Peru, Bolivia, Chile some parts of Brazil, uh, Uruguay, Paraguay, we were, all, we were all a huge mass of land for the Spanish Empire. But, but yeah, when, I mean, Europe has always had, had its sights on, on Argentina, on, you know, on the wealth, uh, on the huge uh, wealth that Argentina has as a territory, right? I mean, not, not just Argentina, the South Cone you know, or South America. And one of the first things that, that sort of gave an inkling to uh, Buenos Aires uh, and the, and the vice royalty of, of the real plate that they could fend on itself was when um, the British tried to invade Buenos Aires twice in 1806 and 1809. And back then, Spain was in a bit of a hassle. You know, I think the Napoleonic Wars were going on. The king of Spain was actually locked up. Uh, it's a very complicated part of history. But actually, the people of Buenos Aires managed to expel the British invaders. We are taught that, right? The British invasion. And from then on, people were like, yeah, I think that actually the Spanish you know, governors are useless. So... Yeah, in 1810, it's the first, let's say, declaration of independence, right? So, uh, but then again, Britain, especially Britain, uh, has always tried to to meddle with um, Argentina's economy and and politics. So it's been there forever. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, I think that in in some ways the you know the 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 the, the tale of of many you know political movements is that you know the political movements come to Argentina first. So uh, I remember like reading about like the history of anarchism in in, in Peru and, and Bolivia, and many times it was you know because of the connection with 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 Argentinians. Well, in the Argentinian case, it was just the um, the Argentinian the 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 particularly with the case of anarchism, I think it was mostly Italian and, and Jewish immigrants that, that, you know, bring anarchism. So I think there is a, a, a kind of desert, like like the, in, in the food meaning, that is called bomba mm -hmm. in Argentina, that yeah. I think it was created by, by an anarchist. So it's kind of, yeah. kind of funny. So, yeah, you know, after we, you know, the independence was actually declared, there was like, 
a huge gap of like 30, 40, 50 years of internal warring, you know, just, you know, personal issues of Argentine. And then finally, around the 1880s, um, uh, you know, we had a constitution, more or less a modern state, and people actually started immigrating, you know, from Europe. The problem is the establishment wanted to encourage the immigration of white immigrants, right? Caucasian or, you know, progressive. Yeah, basically Caucasian. Yeah, they basically wanted very openly, they wanted uh, British immigrants, German, French, maybe. We That didn't really pan out. Uh, actually, what we had was a huge influx of well, you know, Italians, Spaniards, Jewish people, um, Polish people, um, uh, Turks as well, Irish people, you know, escaping the famine. I mean, that's basically it. You know, lots of European, poor Europeans escaping from famine and war and all that. So, yeah, I think most people can trace their, I mean, I can, for example, and many of my, my acquaintances and friends can tra trace their yeah, their ancestry back to Italy and France. I mean, many people, as you know, uh, a last resort, they have a second passport. They have the, the magical EU passport, you know, like Spanish or Italian nationality. So that is there. And also, yeah, what you mentioned about uh, anarchism. Yeah, it's there. Like It's especially from Italian and, and Spanish um, immigrants. They, And this is very funny. When you go to a bakery... And you know the names of the different, you know, delicatessen. And they are called, yeah, bombs and, and little cannons and um, nuns, nuns what? Nuns, nuns size and um, friars balls, actually. Yeah. So they all have like kind of insulting names towards, you know, the church or, uh, you know, the police or the military because many of the first people uh, unions were anarchist unions and they were you know the bakers so yeah there's a, a lot of influx so yeah we attracted the the wrong crowd the establishment would say right yeah i i would say that maybe it's not that known because it didn't uh, at the end like uh, work out but uh, the Peruvian government also tried to to bring a lot of european immigrants um but they were much less successful so they they you know, some Italians came and actually like became prominent. So the the largest bank of Peru, uh, now it's called the the Credit Bank of Peru, mm -hmm. was all initially called the Italian Bank of Peru. Right. So, and and there are other you know like industrial families that you know like uh, um, that were relatively large. Um, Peru had an important fishing industry, but the the, the let the the CEO of the largest company was was of Italian descent. So a lot of of Italian Peruvians uh, have been prosper. They weren't that much, but they were. They have been generally prosper. Um, there are much smaller other you know communities. Some Spaniards have came even recently mm -hmm. because <laughs> Spain has always been a mess, um, but. I, I, they have been very small groups of, of British, French, but in very small numbers. It was never really like a, a, a big number. Mm -hmm. Even in the Second World War, uh, the, the number of Jewish uh, refugees that Peru accepted was smaller like compared to, to, to Bolivia. Bolivia actually had the largest amount of, 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 of Jewish refugees mm -hmm. that, of the Andean countries. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it has been uh, like Peru has tried to get immigrants <laughs> from Europe, but it wasn't very successful. Right. Um, I think that it, it, it was because in Argentina, like, like the agriculture was much more developed. Yeah, it's such a huge in, country. I think in Peru, well. like. It's very big. And it's strange because we have even attracted um, Welsh immigration. If you go to the south, if you go to Patagonia, to a specific province, I don't remember if it's Rio Negro or I don't remember well, but there is a colony, a huge Welsh colony. So, yeah, for example, we've got that. We also have Jewish uh, immigration. You know, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of tired of that whole stereotype of, oh, Argentina, it's full of Nazis, you know. It's a bit, uh, you know, stereotype. But we also, I think we have like the third or fourth biggest diaspora uh, of Jewish people of the world. 
like in Buenos Aires, there are a couple of neighborhoods that are basically full of Jewish people. Um, there's even a, a, a city in a province called uh, Moisesville. So, yeah, I mean, we did attract a lot of <laughs> Jewish immigration. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Yeah, I have read that that there is a McDonald's in the Onse, I think it's the, name, the, the neighborhood, which is... Yeah, there's a couple of kosher, kosher McDonald's. Yeah, kosher McDonald's. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 interesting because I feel that, yeah, I, I, it's it's true. Like Argentina has one of the largest Jewish uh, populations, and and yeah, it's it's that's a really interesting uh, issue and field. I, I think it's 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 really fascinating. Uh, yeah, uh, I think it. it On, on a yeah. less happier note, we also had uh, two terrorist attacks against uh, Jew the Jewish community in 1992 and in 1994. Actually, I remember. I don't remember the first one because I was three, but I remember the second one because I was five. So, yeah, the first one was against the Israeli embassy, and the second one was against sort of like a, yeah, like a, Like a not a corporation, yeah, like a mutual. What was found? I think. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that that's true. Like mutual. Yeah, the AMIA. Right? The AMIA, I think. Exactly. Is the name. Yeah. So a sort of like mutual help association for Jewish people. So yeah, we we also have that record, right? Which is not very happy, I would say. Yeah, I think that also the the other immigration that has happened to Argentina uh, is the Latin American immigration because I, I remember that in the '90s a lot of Peruvians moved yeah. to Argentina, and I know that you know Bolivians also move, uh, Paraguayans and and you know I think uh, yeah, what we call limitrofe, right? Like neighboring countries, uh, we are. I mean, Argentines are much uh, less favorable towards that immigration which is very ironic because when you think about it it was like yeah you know dude 50 or 80 years ago your your great grandparents were probably stowaways on some boat coming you know half starved from italy or spain or whatever but people are very racist towards uh, neighboring countries and neighbor and immigrants from neighboring countries it's it's very yeah it's very heavy The colorism, I wouldn't say racism, but colorism, definitely. There is a sort of like people with lighter yeah. skinned are valued in Argentina. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I like I remember like uh, uh, there was a podcast that is hosted by, the, by a, um, an American, but is of, 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 of Bengali descent and he is from Soatia and Like a lot of his guests are from South Asia, and so he interviewed a, an Indian guy, a guy that he I think he's from Bombay, mm -hmm. and like he said that he he was a computer scientist that has worked all over the world. So he said like when he asked was asked where where is the region he felt more discriminated, he said that is uh, Latin America. But in his case, he says that it's kind of a mix because it's not was not just the the racism toward him looking different, but it was also because he was an, a Hindu. And, and, you know, like, still, like, I think uh, Argentina is a little bit more secular than, than other countries, but it's still, like, the church, uh, the Catholic church yeah. has a, a very important presence and it's very discriminatory toward, toward groups. Yes, now, yeah, the, the Catholic church is, is still has a huge grapple on, on society. I mean, it's a bit hypocritical because everyone is like, yes, I'm Catholic, blah, blah, you know, they, they fulfill all, all the rituals. But then the actual attendance to church on the Sundays, you know, it, it's really not that high. Uh, there's also a huge uh, evangelical presses uh but i think it, it's mostly cultural uh yeah you know like yeah we're going to be catholic but just up to a point like we're, we we baptize our children and yeah I, i i have even taken the my communion and the confirmation but you know i'm an agnostic so and i think many people are just they 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 uh, they hold these beliefs but not really not not deeply let's say But it does. But do you think of, that's? Yeah, tell me. Sorry. 
do you think that's more related to, to 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 the European secularization? Because I feel that here, like, it's still like the the church plays a, a huge role. I think like the the kind of of secularization I see in Argentina or Uruguay is much larger. I think because uh, here, like in, in Peru, like the kind of uh, how to say like uh, the role of of the church is still larger. And and in some way in Argentina, I feel that it has been like. I wouldn't say completely reduced, but it's not as huge as in the past. Argentina has come and go with the church. I mean, that's basically it. it has come and gone. You know, they had better relationships than they had worse relationships, of course, during the military dictatorships. The relationship with the church was better than, you know, maybe with the Kirchners. It, it was worse because they supported the sex education Law. I actually, you know, I'm studying the, the teacher training college, and I received, um, yeah, last, yeah, last term I did the sexual education course, and so I can teach that to students, right? So that really enraged the church. Uh, the current president has said that he wants to discuss again uh, the abortion law in Congress. So that's going to to create some some turmoil. So, yeah, it has come and gone. Uruguay, I mean, Uruguay is everything that's good in, in South America. Uruguay has been much more secular, I think, ever since 1916 or 1910-something. Uh, they are way more secular. They have, you know, legal abortion, legal marijuana. They are much more... We always joke that it's like the, the Netherlands of the of, of the South Cone, right? But, well, they have a smaller uh, population as well, so... Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting because you you mentioned that uh, that you know the church has been against it, but in some cases it's kind of weird. It could sound, but I remember hearing that in some places like the church has taken another like position. For example, here like theology of liberation that yeah. you know like was based in Peru, like is is uh, it has a much more liberal view of of, of abortion of, or or issues and and uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's I think that it's true and, and yeah I mean it's uh, we did have some I think it's it's very yeah so uh, speaking about like uh, issues that connect like Argentina with with uh, with uh, Latin America and probably maybe with the world like one of the like icons of Argentina is is Che Guevara mm -hmm. and i i feel like it, it was used to discuss much uh, a decade ago i think the, the 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 movies like the biopics about him and but how is he view in Argentina now like like Because like it was a huge symbol, and I think it continues to be. But I feel that kind of has like his figure has shied away in some way. Maybe I mean it's very as as everything else in Argentina. Everything is either you know black or white, um, like Peron or Eva and all that. I mean Che Guevara is either an idol, you know, he's he was a young idealist who managed to you know go to Cuba and help. Blah, you know, he he may he fulfilled his dreams. He was a dreamer, or he was just a tyrant, you know, and he was a complete psychopath. Uh, I I don't think people have a middle ground surrounding uh, Che Guevara. I don't think there's there's ever a middle ground in any part of Argentine politics. Unfortunately, there isn't. There is little space to actually try to to see maybe both sides of the situation. Not not in not in every case, because for example. You know, during the last dictatorship, people have tried, you know, to to pull the the, the two devils theory, right? Like, oh, both sides were evil, you know, the, the 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 guerrillas and the death squads. But with Che Guevara and Perón and Evita, I think that it happens a lot. You either hate them to death or you love them, no matter what. So it's really hard to to come to a conclusion without taking a side, you know. But yeah, many young people, yeah, will, it's, it's, you know, up, uphold his name and his figure as something to follow, right? To what they don't know, but they that's want interesting. to follow it. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, or like now that we are speaking about icons of, of Argentina, so what, like, 
I think like when when it comes to discuss Argentinian politics, one of the topics is Peronism. I, I guess it's the central one because I, I feel that it's a very kind of complex movement to 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 describe because it basically encompasses a lot of movements inside it, and and that's for for people overseas maybe kind of strange to understand because. Or people who think that those parties and organizations will better work as you know separate rather than as a part of something, but how how is that dynamic in Argentina? It's very misunderstood. I mean, there's always like, oh, Perón was a dictator. Actually, not. He was actually chosen democratically. I mean, he was. So what you have to understand is that Argentina has never had democratic continuity. I mean, ever since, you know, the 1930s, there has never been, you know, there were so many coups, I think that six or seven uh, military coups uh, in the 20th century. So you can't really talk about a continuity. So, yeah, Perón rose to power during the 40s during a coup that, yeah, that that overthrew uh, like a whole decade. The 1930s are known as the infamous decade in Argentina, you know, a whole bunch of, of corrupt and yeah, not, not democratically elected presidents. So Perón did rise to power through a military organization, but he was chosen, uh, you know, by votes. Uh, but what you have to understand is that he was a very, yeah, you can't really define Peronism. It has many, many different ideologies. I mean, you can you can meet people who define themselves as Peronists, but they are right wing. You can meet, I mean, then in the 70s, you had guerrillas who were Peronist, but they were far left wing. So it is really a, a weird uh, chameleon of, a, of an ideology. So you can't really define it properly. What I really don't like about it, I personally, I, I, I am not a Peronist. My family, I do come from a Peronist background. My my grandfather, he was a, a union delegate for a metal smith company. So I do come from that back background, but I don't define myself as Peronist, basically because I don't agree with the huge cult of personality. It's, yeah, it's as everything. I mean, in general, in Argentine history, it's always about, you know, strong men, right? It's always about this guy or that guy, you know, that guy is a... So and when that guy is and when that guy dies, what happens, right? The same thing with Kirchnerism, right? When Nestor Kirchner died, uh, then you know his wife rose to power, but it's not the same, and it, it's always very dependent on one person. Uh, so that's really something I don't agree with, and I do agree. Or one of the things I and many people like about Peronism is that it did bring into the fold so many people that had been ignored before, you know, uh, really working class or even lower than working class uh, population. I mean, the, the, they had rights. He, he gave rights. What for? Of course, probably for for votes. Uh, that's the problem, right? Demagoguery. But I don't know. The people are a bit, you know, the, the, the end justifies the means, right? So... That's another of the controversies. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't totally approve of the image that Peronism has, you know, for, for the Westerners or for Americans. It's like, oh, yes, they were all Nazis. And that's it, right? Uh, he's Mussolini for Argentina. It's a bit more complicated than that. It's a bit more complicated than that. Evita was also a very important figure. Uh, sometimes people feel that she was more, she had more power than he did, actually. Um, but yeah, ever since then, you know, there's also this myth that, well, Magri, the, the, the president that left last year, uh, there was this myth, you know, that no non-Peronist president manages to finish their term because there's always a coup or something weird going on. But well, the, the, the curse has been broken, apparently. So yeah, it's a very... It's much more complicated than, you know, nowadays we have a lot of, you know, quote unquote libertarians or the usual anti-Peronist, uh, you know, speech that, oh, the country has been ruined after 70 years of Peronism. It's way more complicated than that. I would say that the military dictatorships, plural, have more done more damage uh, to the country than just Peronism and its many shapes. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's difficult to to understand uh, the an ideology like Veronism outside of Argentina because I think it's it's something so passional that that if you are not that Argentinian, you're generally are not that invested. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that the kind of historians or political scientists that have you know that are from abroad that that have come close to I, I, I think make some kind of elaboration is because they are invested in a topic, which sometimes from an academic perspective could sound like um, very problematic because you, you have to be like uh, in, in some way like neutral, but in some ways like Peronism doesn't allow you to be neutral. You have to, no. to, to, to take a position in some way. Uh, so, but there is other political movement that, that Argentina is known for, and that is, uh, Trotskism. So why does Argentina have so many like Trotskist parties? There are a lot. I mean, I think of, I of Latin say, America, it's I probably would say the country with it comes a lot from of, what you mentioned, you know, the anarchists and socialists coming to Argentina. It did evolve. I think, though, there is like this 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 struggle or the, you know, the socialists and Trotskists aren't very happy that Peronism sort of co-opted the working class struggle. So there's always that 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 dispute going on, you know, like left wings parties are always like the problem is that many people what many people complain about is that they seem Trotskyist and all that. They they seem very out of touch uh, from reality, you know. And you know the typical joke is that you know you're in college in in the public university, right, in the UBA, the University of Buenos Aires, and some guy, you know, will come from the students' union. We have there, are, <coughs> sorry, there are a lot, a lot of students' unions, and they will burst into the classroom and start talking about the working class struggle in Myanmar, you know, and they start talking about, yeah, and they it feels really removed from the reality of 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 Argentina, right? So that's why many people are just like, ah, yeah, sos un trosco. You know, that's the typical insult. You know, you're a trosco. You're someone who is like super woke, you know, like super, I wouldn't know if a tanky or, or what, but yeah, somebody who is so focused on the, on the <laughs> international working class struggle and they don't really pay attention to what's happening here in this country. Right. So that's a common complaint. I don't know where I am. I'm just a, your regular green quadrant uh, person, either libertarian socialist, democratic socialist, I don't know. But it's complex. Um, yeah, I, I was going to ask, have you heard of, 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 of Posadist? Of what, sorry? Like the the Posadist. So the there was a, an Argentinian Trotskist uh, in, in the Cold War era that was called Jota Posadas. And he wrote about like UFOs and socialism, so he has become a meme, a meme in the uh, mostly in the English speaking world. No, I haven't. And uh, there is no, a, a guy, <laughs> and and now there is a, a, a someone that has written a book about it. And the other day he was interviewed, and he said that um, that some days like uh, the 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 name of Posadas is more searched than Trotsky himself. So how a meme has become like, like a very prominent part of, you know, like, uh, uh, of the left, of, of the kind of imaginary of the left. But, but I feel like, uh, I, I haven't read the book already. Like I, I'm reading another book, which maybe I'm going to, uh, write a review, but, but, uh, I think that at least from, from what I get it is that, what a lot of people aren't like aware of Latin America is that there is kind of this messianism that that you that you mentioned in some way of of you know like this, this strong man like like this person that is going to save the country yeah. and I feel that this happens more or less in, in, in many of the countries like in Peru in 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 in, in Peru there is the myth of the myth of Incari, which is kind of a, a mix between indigenous traditions and and political messianism so. The return of the Inca in, in Paraguay, I think there is a, called La Tierra Sin Mal, the land without the, without the, without the evil. Uh, evil. Like wow. it, it was, it, yeah, I think it was uh, some. 
And and actually, like uh, some Guaranis came to Peru in search of, of this place, like the, the, it's part of their mythology. And they, and I think it, it has to do with with the process of colonization. That in some ways, like it 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 it, it like uh, Catholic culture became so important that, that that the idea of redemption also became so important. So in some ways, like it, in a very kind of surrealist way, it is Trotsky's. Thought that that you know UFOs are going to one be the ones that are going to redeem not only Argentina but the war, and and, and we're going to bring socialism even if it sounds really like strange. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you ask me, Bolivar, you know, on the whole Patria Grande thing, we should have done that, that man. We should have been you know a huge like huge country, and that's you know like the United States, but in the south. But we didn't. I mean, I, we always joke, you know, Argentines always joke about Uruguay, about losing Uruguay, you know, the, the province that got away. Uh, I mean, I think that that's also another thing that happened in Latin America, right? We started bickering a lot amongst each other. And yeah, there's, al- there's also this, you know, the, the caudillos, like the strong men of every province and of every country. I mean, yes, you could have a list of, of all the strong men that came and went to save Argentina. Um, I mean, now you have Kirchnerism, which again is like another brand of Peronism. And I mean, who knows who will come afterwards? Uh, I mean, Macri tried to to be like a, like an answer to Kirchnerism, but he he failed tremendously. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the problem. It's really hard not to think about Argentine politics uh, without uh, some form or another of Peronism. So that's a, that's a challenge for the future. Some people are just sick of it. <laughs> that's that's really tired. I, I mean, I'm 31 and I've seen the cycles come back and forth. I mean, it's like the same story. <laughs> And it's a, I mean, the thing is, it's a really young country anyway. It's not, I mean, how old is it? 200 years old? So, yeah. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about, like, particular now that, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, this, like, the, the, the duo of Fernandez-Fernandez, which kind of can sound confusing, of Aníbal yeah. Fernandez. Uh, and, and Cristina Fernandez, which was the wife of of, of, of Nestor Kirchner, mm-hmm. former president. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, people have the impression that Cristina Kirchner represented a left wing be- be- within Peronism, but at the same time, uh, she doesn't represent the more far left wing no. within Peronism. So there are people in Peronism that are further to the left. So. Um, but what the, is the role of Fernandez? Is he to his right, to her left? Well, they, I mean, they, I mean, and, um, Alberto was, I mean, he had been with Nestor before. I think he was, um, let me remember, I forgot. Uh, yeah, I think he was in the Senate first. And then he did have a fallout with Cristina. So it seemed like, you know, they were never going to be able to work together again until surprisingly uh, last year on, yeah, a year and a half ago, she announced that he would be uh, the president and she would run as vice president, right? So what's his role? Yeah, well, some people think he's a puppet. I don't think he's a puppet. I think he has, you know, thoughts of his own. He has his own will. Of course, her fig. I mean, of course, if she hadn't been his vice president, I don't know if he would have won. I am not sure about that. They they did need the you know her figure, her strong figure again. You know, personality cult, uh, the boss. You know, that's another thing I hate. You no, know, calling someone la jefa, el jefe. You know, the boss. Uh, they did need you know her her momentum. Uh, but well, I think he does have his own willpower. Um, now he's getting you know a bit. Uh, let's say, uh, cornered with the whole lockdown and the pandemic, you know, and the businessmen and all the different sectors of society getting more and more, you know, anxious about, you know, the economic situation and what's going to happen after we end lockdown, which I don't see a point in ending it. But well, that's another thing. But I don't know. I mean, I am I am glad that he won, actually. Uh, one of the main reasons I left uh, to Germany for for Germany was you know that I 
just could not stand living in Macri's Argentina anymore. It was 2018 and I was having a really tough time. It was really hard. Uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't at all what he had promised it would be. You know, many people voted him as he was off. He's going to save us from Peronism. Whether you like it or not, you can't just undo so many years of, of those kind of uh, policies in just four years. So, but yeah, I don't know. I, I still think yeah, I, we should give him a shot uh, to Alberto. I don't know. Yeah, the the other topic that I wanted to discuss is like the place of feminism. So they have been like uh, the the marches with the uh, and, and and I feel that like it's kind of it it like uh, as we have mentioned before, like with uh, ideologies that in some way come from Europe. Although I think that that is a, a little bit problematic also because like um, I was uh, listening to your day to to Washkar. Uh, um, Ari, uh, which was uh, an Aymara historian. And he was saying, like, that, you know, there's a lot of conceptions about, like, indigenous people that are very, like, uh, you know, like, are very based on, on, on the imposition. So, like, uh, obviously, like, there is a, a strong influence of, of, of the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church has a lot of misogynistic and homophobic views. But if one reviews, like, even the early, like uh, some of the uh, the things that, that even some of the of the priests and 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 and, and, and you know chronicles of, of you know of the of the early colonial period, uh, you know, say you know it's like the picture of how their social relations were, you know, constructed it was very different than how they are now. Even if, although I also think that you know. Uh, Indigenous women have a very important role. I will say even the central role in 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 in, in Andean culture. But I I think that in 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 Argentina it was kind of you know like like in in the U.S. it was kind of I think that that how ideas move from Europe to 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 the U.S. and to Argentina and maybe in some ways to to, to Brazil. Like I think there is a concept that I think there is a, a professor in a university in 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 the United States, who actually has a course that that call that it's called comparative frontiers. So it, he compares U.S., uh, Argentina, and Brazilian history because there are three countries that receive a lot of immigrants, and and with immigrants it, it comes ideas. And and I think feminism has been, I feel, for a while longer in Argentina and other countries in, in Latin America. So I'm I'm curious how how they they are seeing this moment. Well, I mean, yeah, feminism, again, I mean, it, it had its momentum at the beginning of the 20th century, basically because some specific women fought for the right, you know, uh, to educate themselves. But eventually, I mean, it was, again, Peronism who, which co-opted that struggle, you know, Evita sort of helped, um, you know, um, basically she promoted the law that enabled women to vote. Um, so that was really quite important, but came a few decades later. I think it was in the 19, late late 1940s, right? And then, you know, I mean, yes, feminism has been important in Argentina, especially, I would say, in the last 20 years. Um, but, I mean, ever since the 1980s, you know, well, again, we didn't have, when, when you talk about, you know, the influence of, of the Catholic Church in Argentina, we didn't have a divorce law until the late 1980s. And that's, again, another uh, struggle that feminism helped promote. And I would say that, yeah, in the past 10, 15 years, you know, with the with the raising awareness about femicide, you know, I mean, it, it happens every day. It's really, it's really disturbing. You read about it or you hear it on the news every single day. A woman is killed, you know, by her partner, an ex-partner. It's really hard. Uh, it's a... It's something that needs to be addressed, as well as, you know, abortion being uh, illegal. Um, there is also a huge struggle about that. Um, I have been part of uh, feminist activist movements. Uh, you know, even laws have been, you know, um, passed uh, against, you know, catcalling. But it's beyond catcalling. It's, it's really way worse than that. 
So I would say that, yes, feminism is, is a strong movement nowadays. Cristina, during her government, really didn't feel like discussing. I mean, it's difficult because if you get the, if you have the church against you and you, you know, pass the law in favor of abortion, you don't know what it could happen, right? It's, uh, it could be a destabilizing force. So I think that's the problem. They don't, she didn't feel like she had enough support to be able to pass that law. So we have to. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I kind of un understand what, what his reasoning was, even if I don't necessarily share her, her, you know, her policy at the end, because I feel that at the end, politicians have to have value to, to do change. But I feel that what you mentioned of feminicides and also like the restriction to abortion is more or less what happens in, in, in the whole Latin America. Yeah. And the issue in Latin America is that, you know, like the police is very ineffective. So if there is a, a murder in like, it's very difficult, they're going to, Uh, uh, you know, like detaining the person that did it, particularly if this is an indigenous woman and it was in a rural area. Mm -hmm. So that is, you know, very difficult. I don't know if it's still like there, the law, but it was a law that, that in Mexico until some years ago that technically, uh, legally allowed like in, in some uh, areas to kidnap a woman was legally if, if, the kidnap ending in marriage. So it was a very weird law and it was very sexist. And, and, and I, I don't, I don't know, I'm not sure it has been repealed, but, uh, but I like, um, remember someone that, that, It's uh, not surprising. Uh, a, a philosophy professor that, 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 that worked, uh, you know, for, for a while in international institutions discussing this, this issues about human rights and how, like, in some ways, the fence of tradition and that's, you know, being defensive, you know, like, uh, of, of the prevalence of patriarchy. And, and I, I feel that it, it's very curious because I feel that there is a, a connections and, 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 and disconnections between the, the, the feminist movements because, um, in some way, there is a, a part of the feminist movement that, that is much more, I will say radical, but not in the, in the turf sense of, of, you know, of, 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 of excluding, um, um, uh, trans you know, uh, transgender people. Uh, uh, yeah. But at the same time, I feel that, Like, I will say that there is a kind of a, 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 a radical versus liberal divide. And I say radical rather than, than socialist, because sometimes there are like feminist anarchists, even in Peru, where the anarchist movement is not that big, there are feminist anarchists. Um, so I will say that uh, it's... So how you see this divide in, in, in Argentina? Because I'm, I'm sure there is a divide between the the... the, 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 the you know, like the, the, the feminist movement. And also, you know, if there is, you know, the presence of the turfs, like in other yeah. parts. So I, I would say that's that, the that, biggest, uh, that, that's the biggest, you know, um, difference or the, the biggest um, drift that I'm noticing is basically between, yeah, uh, radical feminists, but yeah, in the sense of excluding trans women specifically from feminism. And the other huge divide is between, uh, you know, concerning prostitution. Uh, I see that more and more, uh, you know, people, I mean, feminists who are arguing, you know, we have abolitionists against regulationists, and then you have sex workers in the middle. So that, I would say that's the biggest divide in feminism in Argentina, especially among, which is a bit worrying, among younger people. I see that more and more, you know, that they are increasingly becoming, you know, like, yeah, serfs, swerfs, they, they exclude specifically transgender women and sex workers from feminism. So that would be the yeah, that's, that's, more than ideological. Of course, really... you do have, you know, uh, feminists who are socialists and then you have, you know, Peronist feminism that does exist. But I would say that the, 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 the ideological struggle is that, you know, excluding trans women and sex workers from feminism. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I actually like uh, I have war. I have like it's very interesting because I have both for for a sex worker two times. Like Angela Villon was a, a candidate for the left wing coalition, the Broad Front. So I have both for 
for uh, for a sex worker twice. It's interesting. Like Peru is also very. Uh, I think it does debate is 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 becoming bigger, uh, and I feel that it's a it's a it's a big debate. But I I also feel that at some times there there is not uh, um, an attempt to 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 try to to to. I, I don't want to say you know to reach an agreement, but you know to to have to to say in some way priorities. Like for example, in Peru, like there are some areas where it's known that is what is happening there is not you know women that are go, working voluntary as sex workers, but actually minors that are forced into prostitution. Yeah. But you know the government doesn't do anything because like uh, they are bribed generally and things like that. So I think like there should be at least a consensus and try to to eradicate you know this this kind of abuses that are happening. Of course, um, yeah, and, 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 definitely, that does exist. Yeah, and 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 now that we are talking about trafficking, I, I remember uh, reading about the the you know this kind of uh, particular Bolivian immigrants that work basically and as as the slaves in in the textile industry in in. In, in in Argentina. So how how is that? How I mean, like this image of of, of feminism as progressive, but somehow like allowing basically almost slavery or slavery uh, in, in some cases. Like how how is is that? Well, it's interesting that you brought that uh, up because then again, I don't want to to sound like I'm bashing Macri all the time, but actually his wife. Juliana Wada, she has a, you know, a clothing brand, and she was also accused of those, um, you know, illegal means of of employing people. But yeah, I mean, I, unfortunately, it's pervasive in society, right? Like immigrants, there is a lot of illegal immigration. People are just brought into the country to work, you know, 12, 14, 16 hours in some, you know, in some. Uh, probably very unhealthy place they don't even have a proper proper housing they don't have anything they just come here to to work and they are basically trafficked so yeah that that happens a lot uh, i'm not sure what is being done to eradicate those practices unfortunately um so yeah i mean people like to complain i mean as in everywhere uh, people like to complain a lot about illegal immigration but they keep forgetting that illegal immigrants are usually exploited you know, they're not. They don't come here to to become millionaires. They come here because they are escaping yeah. worse conditions. But in the end, they come here and they have to struggle a lot. So, and again, I find it very, uh, very ironic that a country built by unwanted immigrants from Europe complain about the the newer unwanted immigration. Right? That's another. I mean, that's one of the of the yeah. contradictions yeah. of of Argentina. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I mean, now that we are talking about Bolivians, I sometimes see like when when there are problems in northern Argentina that people like when people of indigenous like uh, features are you know presented, like people said, oh no, there are there are Bolivians, no? yeah. and you know, like it's it's a very kind of derogatory way of, of, of describing because many times like they it's not that they are Bolivians is that you know like I of people have been yeah. there like forever and oh, it's okay it's exactly what happened and, and in the uh, case of uh, there is a there's this guy he's so annoying he's a tv presenter basically I don't remember the context and he's talking to a woman who has you know rather I don't know how to say without sounding problematic, rather indigenous, let's say, uh, a face, an indigenous face. And he's like, oh, so which country do you come from? And she's like, I mean, you can even hear her in her in her speech. She doesn't even sound from another country. She sounds exclusive. I mean, she sounds Argentine. And she's like, no, I'm from Salta province. I mean, and then she says, many people in Buenos Aires forget what Argentines in other parts of the country look like. Yeah, not everyone looks, you know, like, oh, half and half Italian and, and Spanish. Uh, Argentina is a bit bigger than Buenos Aires. That's the other, that's another of the huge uh, issues in Argentina. It's basically Buenos Aires and the rest. Right. We have a, a saying that says, that goes, uh, God is everywhere, but his offices are in Buenos Aires. 
<laughs> yeah, I, now that you mentioned, like, some people refer, like, uh, Buenos Aires as the Paris of Latin America. Yeah. But, but I think there, there is something to that. I mean, like, I have been only as a tourist, but, yeah, I mean, the, the city, like, in the constructions and other things, it, it's, it's, it certainly has a much more European-style cities. But also, I think it's revealing because it also says that, you know, French public policy was very influential in Argentina. And French public policy is very centralized. Like in France, everything is in Paris. Right. Like everything is in Paris and controlled from Paris. And, 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 you know, obviously issues like, you know, like how to, to deal with the indigenous people is like a, a very, like, uh, it's very difficult to, to control it over from, from the center where there are, there aren't as many as, 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 as in, in other areas. And speaking in other areas is, you know, uh, the southern Argentina, so like generally people, when people think about the Mapuche, people think about the Mapuche in the, in the, in Chile, but the Mapuche also exists in, in, in Argentina. So uh, how are, are, are the conflicts between like, because I, I have been hearing about these conflicts between the, the, the Argentinians and, and, and the Mapuche. Yeah, I mean, Argentinian a, government. Another you know. thing that you will hear is that people in Argentina will say, oh, we don't have black people indigenous people yeah basically because we had some very sly politicians that you know <laughs> took it upon themselves to get rid of black people and, and indigenous people uh, so first of all argentina fought i mean yeah it, it didn't need so many slaves as other countries in south america because we didn't have you know gold or mines and uh, so you know and then you know when there was the triple alliance war where we basically decided to destroy Paraguay, uh, ganging up with Brazil and Uruguay, we sent many Aboriginal and, and Black Argentines to die, you know, as cannon fodder. And then, you know, in the in the latter half of the 19th century, we, I mean, politicians and, and military forces undertook what is called as the conquest of the desert, which is, you know, Patagonia, which wasn't a desert. It was well inhabited by, by many Aboriginal d different tribes, right? So, yeah, I mean, again, we basically massacred most of them. And the ones that are still living in different reservations in the north and in the south, mostly they live in, yeah, just the worst of conditions, you know, lately. I mean, not lately. It's been forever. Usually they have to deal with famine and, and you know, malnutrition, illiteracy, uh, you know, the destruction of their environment. Uh, yes, we basically mistreat Aboriginal peoples just as, as any other modern country does. So, yes, our relationship with, with indigenous people is really, really bad. The gov governments really don't care about them unless, you know, again, is to make them vote or whatever. Yeah, about that, I, I think, uh, like, the other thing I, I was going to, to ask you is, like, uh, the police, like, in Argentina is known for being very tough and rough with, with, with a lot of people. So uh, how is Argentina dealing with, like, Argentina's dealing with, with the police? Because, like, now that, that we yeah. have, like, I wouldn't the say global it's tough, challenge. tough and rough. It's basically, you can't really trust the police if you are dark skinned and now there's been uh, i mean there's regular disappearances i mean it's not only during the dictatorship i mean during the dictatorship you know the military could just you know suck you that's what we call it chupar they sucked you and that's it you know you were tortured and then killed and then thrown from a plane uh, but nowadays if you you know if you cross paths with the police at the wrong time in the wrong place you can be disappeared again so now there's this case i don't remember his name i think it's called Fagundo. he has been disappeared for like three months now and yeah there's basically no trace of him but he's not the first and unfortunately he won't be the last and there's been so many cases of people murdered disappeared i don't know natalia melman i remember her case she was raped and killed by three policemen and they never got i mean they were never convicted so you know when when, when you see americans like questioning their relationship to the police it's like oh that's cute like they actually believe the police was there to protect them in argentina and i don't think anybody thinks the police protects you so 
It's just very, very corrupt. I, I go like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the same could be said about, like, uh, about Peru. And, and the blessed Peru is, is even more incompetent. But there is a history that always, like, brings me joy. Like, there was uh, one one night in uh, the the police arrested a, a lot of, uh, of, of trans sex workers. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like, their comrades, fellow trans sex workers, enter the police station and beat the shit out of the police and liberate their friends. And it was kind of epic. I mean, it's it's. Of and, course, and, and now that, that we are talking police stories as well, it's not just evil and 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 you know sadistic. They are also useless. <laughs> so yeah, but that's a good story. Yeah, that's a good story. But but now that that we are in in, in like talking about like uh, uh, you know different identities. So how, how do you see like uh, the LGBTQ community in Argentina? How, how you know, like uh, gay rights are, are in Argentina? Well, I mean, just I think a couple of weeks ago or just last week, uh, it was the 10th anniversary of well, when the law, when they passed the law for, you know, same sex, same sex marriage in Argentina after a long, you know, a long debate. Uh, so, yeah, I would say that Argentina is quite progressive in that regard. And again, the Kirchners, you can say weaponized, you can say they were so kind enough to give, you know, LGBT people their rights. But yeah, we have a gender identity law. People can change their gender on their IDs. Um, I think you can even have the, your health insurance uh, should actually pay for your gender uh, reassignment surgery. So yeah, I think it's quite, quite evolved. Um, of course, there were setbacks with Magri again, you know, especially because they downgraded the Ministry of Health to a subsecretary which really affected um, HIV, HIV people, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the basically handing out uh, medication for HIV positive people. But I would say it's quite progressive in general. It's a, tol- it's a tolerant society. Of course, Buenos Aires, it's not the same as the provinces. If you go to the provinces, it's a bit more complicated. Uh, for example, I don't know, Salta, or well, a couple of years ago, <laughs> Uh, I think, uh, yeah, a senator wanted to promote, they wanted to make the capital of the province of Salta a pro-life city, so they would ban contraceptives and condoms. So, yeah, so, yeah, it's weird. It's weird, uh, of course, and you will find cases of, you know, gay people being bullied, beaten in the streets. It does happen. But I think in general, people are more open-minded than before. Again, you know, sex education is compulsory now in all schools, public, private, even confessional schools, uh, teacher training colleges, like, well, the one that I go to have to teach sex education to the future, future teachers. So, yeah, hopefully there will be more awareness in the future. Yeah, that's that's really interesting and, and hopeful, and I honestly hope that this kind of, of of victories could be achieved in Peru because here, like it's uh, it's much you know like uh, the advance of gay rights has been very uh, slow. Um, no, I I wanted to 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 switch to to another topic that generally Argentina is considered like a country which which has a good education, mm-hmm. but 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 beyond even like the formal education, like the the fact that you know like it's a country that has a lot of bookstores. I think mm-hmm. probably only second to Tokyo. I think is the country with more bookstores. Like like the like uh, particular Buenos Aires is the second city yeah. after Tokyo with more bookstores. Definitely, uh, definitely, and 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 and, and there. Debates. So, so how do you see uh, Argentina intellectual life? I would say it's pretty prolific. I mean, yes, we've had some really good writers uh, along the years. I mean, Cortázar, Borges, Sabato, they are amazing. Pizarnik, Alfonsina Storni, uh, Alejandra Pizarnik, just to mention a couple of women as well. Uh, I would say that that Argentina is quite, I mean, it's uh, the, the, the rate of literacy is really high. 
and people do enjoy uh, reading and debating you know we have this whole like cafe culture people love to get together in cafes and debate and talk i would say yeah that intellectual life in argentina is quite prolific um there's always this thing you know unfortunately public education in the primary and secondary level is not that good But, uh, you know, the public universities, I had the, I had the private university experience and then the public college experience. And I would always stick with the, with the public uh, college experience, most definitely. Uh, again, you know, during the previous administration, uh, science and technology were uh, defunded a lot. Yeah, they lost a lot of their budget, but now it's slowly gaining some of its budget back, which I think is really important essential actually but yeah i would say there is a burgeoning uh, intellectual scene in buenos aires especially i mean i like writing and reading poetry and well of course we have the lockdown now right but there's a thing called uh, centros culturales cultural centers you know where people get together and read and play music i mean yeah buenos aires i would say it is an amazing city uh, even though it it has its downsides but i mean i've met so many people Uh, from other countries who love living in Buenos Aires, and I can see why. It's definitely, it it does have a bit of that European flavor to it. Yeah, I, I, I like, I, as I said before, I only have been as a tourist, but I, I always find it, like, it was a really interesting city. And I have to say, like, uh, listening to, to Argentinian rock has been part of, of, of oh. my, <laughs> of, 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 of my youth, like, it, And, and, and like in, from high school, I listened to Babasonicos, no. to Nerkids, to Entre Rios. I wow. mean, there are so many interesting do, do you know how, how so, Argentine rock... So, yeah, I think they, they rock, have in many ways... Do you have any idea how Argentine rock uh, developed during the 80s? It was... No, that, that will be interesting to, to talk. How... Well, it was actually because of the Falklands or the Malvinas war. Uh, there was still, you know, the government, the, the military dictatorship, they banned uh, music in English from being played uh, on radio and TV. So that sort of gave an, a, gave momentum to local bands to, to start singing and producing more music. So, yeah, uh, during the 80s, you can, I mean, Argentina was kind of, uh, you know, uh, always at the cutting edge of music and art even in the 60s and the 70s, but it was during the 80s, I think, that it really got its momentum due to the ban of music in English. So that's interesting. And I do know that, yeah, rock en español, you know, Argentina is one of the of the best known countries, let's say, of the countries that produces the most music, perhaps. Yeah, that, that's that's true. So, do you want to? I, I don't know if you have written something that is online or or something else, and, and you want to have a closing statement in some way. A closing statement—that's an interesting question. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, I hope I I would like people to just you know, um, I think Latin America has Latin America has a lot to offer, and it's just not. You know, I'm I'm reminded of uh, Chimamanda Adichie's uh, TED Talk. You know, she talks about she's from, well, I don't remember which country in Africa. I'm not sure if it's Nigeria. She talks about the danger of uh, just one narrative, right? And I think that people, it should be, it would be nice if people became more aware of the multiple narratives that, you know, envelop Latin America, not just sticking with one idea of what the continent is and especially what every country is so i don't know i mean argentina it's a special country i would definitely say it's a special country but i would also say the other countries in latin america i mean it's a, it's a fantastic continent and i think it's been ignored uh for way too long unfortunately uh but yeah my, my hope for the future is that i don't know we start evolving a bit more and what, like you mentioned before especially you know as regards women's rights uh, lgbt rights we definitely need to to progress in that direction so hopefully in these years we might yeah i i, I completely agree with you i think that you know sometimes it, it could sound like a cliche but but magical realism is is real in latin america i mean it's 
it, it is a, a, a place in the world that, that has this kind of, you know, like, uh, of, of charm, of, you know, complexity and diversity that is very particular. And, and, and I think, uh, I think the world should, should understand, as you say, that it's not just one narrative, that there are, you know, a lot of, of different processes going on, sometimes not just in different regions of one country, but sometimes in the same city, like there are many like uh, things going on per, at, at the same time. So yeah, I, I completely agree with you. So thank you, Victoria. It has no. been a really thank you great for pleasure talking me. to you. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, it was a great episode, I think. <laughs>